you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, good afternoon and happy New Year, Soul City Church. Now, y'all. You did not come all this way for that. Happy New Year, Soul City Church. You could have been anywhere. You could have been at the gym today. No, you weren't. You weren't going to go to the gym. You weren't going to go to the gym. But you're here, and, and you're, maybe you're watching online or listening to the podcast. Uh, it is so good to be with you. My name is Jarrett. I'm one of the lead pastors here, and I love seeing you here. I think this is the right way to start your, not only your week, but start your year. Let's make it more epic. Start your decade, you know, by saying that you want to grow. Um, in a relationship with God or grow a relationship with God, I think you're in the best possible spot. And that's our hope and our prayer for you is that your life would be transformed by who God is. I love, I love the new year. I'm like so hop, like, like hopeful and optimistic, hopped up on hope uh, is what I am for this uh, year. I'm so excited for our family. This is a really big year for our family. Our son, Elijah, graduates middle school and becomes a high schooler this year in 2020. That is bananas for me to even consider. Uh, I'm so excited for our church. Our church, uh, God is already moving, but we're going to see the ministry of this church here in the West Loop expand as well as our church move to the West and to the North as we start new churches here in the city of Chicago. Like that's going to happen this year, uh, so that's crazy, and I'm excited about that. And I'm super excited because uh, my book came out. Well, I, technically, I should say it comes out on Tuesday. That's the day it drops. Uh, it becomes street official. It becomes street official on Tuesday. But one of the things early on in the process, this has been like two years in the making for me, and and so many of the stories in this book, like if you've been here for a while, you've heard most of the stories. Um, but there's so many stories from our church, of our church. I think this is the story of our church, that we want to be a church. Like, we wouldn't be here if people hadn't prayed this church into existence. And this is where we want to go. We want to be a praying church. And so uh, I'm so excited for that to be out. I told the folks who make the book months and months and months ago that I wanted our church to be the first folks to get their hands on it. And so it's so cool for y'all to be able to, ha- to have that. It comes out on Tuesday, but y'all get sneak copies of that before anyone else. If you want it, it's yours. Uh, and Tuesday night, as Kelly mentioned, we're going to celebrate not only the launch of this book, but the, the start of this year. And our worship and prayer nights have historically been powerful times for our church. Do not miss it on Tuesday night. Do whatever you got to do. It's, we're going to do a lot of creative, powerful ways of praying and worshiping. It's going to be incredible. Okay, so I want to let you know, I uh, have been so excited because I planned out the message for this weekend and for the whole month of January months ago. Um, and was so excited this last week. I actually went to work. Did anyone actually have to go to work this last week? It just feels so weird. You didn't know how to do what you're supposed to do at work, so I showed up, and I finished my message. I was so excited. I finished my message. I turned my slides in on time, which the whole team was excited about, and um, so on Thursday, I did all of that, and, and Jeannie was asking me, like, how are you feeling about this week? And I'm like, I feel good, feel good, feel good. It's good, it's good, it's good. It's all based on the first chapter of this book, and then... Um, and then we were out yesterday. Jeannie and I actually got to spend some time together. Super romantic time for us, uh, running errands um, <laughs> in our sweats. And so we were like going all over the city of Chicago. And I forget where we were at. We were walking across the parking lot. And I said to her, Jeannie, uh, I got to tell you something. I, I, uh, I think I'm supposed to give a different message tomorrow. And what I really wanted her to do was like get on 
bored with me, like get in my side, like, yo, you should not do that. Don't do that. But I was like, I think I'm supposed to do this and I don't want to do this because the other one is done. And I think it's good, and it's, but it's done. That's the most important thing. And I said, but I feel like God has something bigger for our uh, church. More specifically, I think God wants something bigger for me this weekend. And I really don't want to do it. <laughs> and, I, and I just wanted her to tell me, it's okay, you don't have to. But uh, I knew that I was supposed to change the whole message I was going to give this weekend. And so I said to her, like, we need to get home. I have to write a whole new message. And so we immediately headed home um, after another hour and a half of running errands. <laughs> and so, <laughs> priorities. Um, and so uh, I don't know who this uh, message is for this weekend. It, listen, it may only be for me. And if that's the case, it was worth it. It's worth it. But maybe this might be for you. And I just have a question I want you to consider as we again start this year, as we start this decade. One question that I wasn't planning on asking you this morning, but I want you to consider is what are you believing big for this year? What are you believing big for this year? What are you believing God for that's big, bigger than you, bigger than anything you could do on your own? What are you actually believing big for from God? How can you actually pray your way into and through this year like no other year in your life? What are you praying big prayers, believing big prayers of God this year? And I want to show you what it looks like to actually believe big in God from a story all the way back in the Old Testament. So I want you to grab a Bible, if you would, uh, and I want you to open to 1 Kings chapter 18. If you have a Bible with you, great, you know what to do. Have it on your phone, fantastic. But if you want to grab a Soul City Bible under your seat or on your uh, chair there, you can turn to page 283 in the Soul City Bible. That'll get you to 1 Kings 18. We're going to look at what it really means to believe big of God this year, okay? Now, I need to give you some context as you're turning to 1 Kings 18. There's a lot going on in this story that we are not going to be able to cover. So this is a story about a prophet in the Bible named Elijah. Um, and his story is where we actually got the inspiration to name our son Elijah. Is from this story. And uh, there's two big pieces of context that I want you to understand, okay? So the first is that this is about 100 years after the time of King David and the kingdom of Israel um, had already been divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was larger of these two kingdoms. Like, like, think if the Civil War had actually, like, you know, happened and our nation was divided. That's what happened, okay? Northern kingdom was greater than the southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom had a history of terrible kings. And in fact, in this moment that we come to in 1 Kings 18, they were being ruled by an absolute tyrant named King Ahab. Terrible, terrible, terrible king. Not good for the people of God. And his wife was a real piece of work. Her name is Jezebel. And she was way into worshiping a false god named Baal. All right, so if you've heard any stories from the Bible, you may be familiar with Baal. She was really into Baal. Like, I need you to understand how much she was into Baal. Like, um, you know your friend that's really into Harry Potter? like too much so for an adult, that friend that's really in a pair, like they've read all the books and they've seen all the movies and they're like, books are better. That friend, like they've been to both Harry Potter worlds, you know, in Florida and California. They've seen Cursed Child in the theater. That friend, you know what I'm talking about? Imagine if that friend killed all of their friends who didn't love Harry Potter. 
That's how into Baal she was because she set out to kill every single one of the prophets of God and every single one of the leaders of the people of God. She was going to kill them because they wouldn't convert to her belief system. All right, you get the picture now? That's the first piece of context. The second piece of context is important as well. And it was that this area, this region, this land had been under a severe drought for three years. Severe famine, severe drought for three years. And there are places in our world right now where this is happening, and it has a massive ripple effect. Not only is there not a single drop of rain for three years in the story, but it affects peoples, communities, ecosystems, animals. Massive effect, catastrophic, literally, all right, was the drought and the famine that existed in this land for three years. Those are the two pieces of context. You got them? That helps us understand where we're coming to in this story. 1 Kings 18, verse 1 says this. After a long time... In the third year of this famine, of this drought, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Elijah, and this is what God said, go and present yourself, go call a meeting with King Ahab, and he says, I will send rain on the land. So, verse 2, Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. He got a meeting with the king. Remember who his wife is. Remember what his wife wants to do. She wants to kill him. But he gets this meaning anyway, and the Bible wants you to get the context of what was going on in verse 2. Now the famine was severe in Samaria in this area. So what's happening here? God is asking Elijah to believe big. He's asking Elijah to believe big. He's essentially saying to Elijah, I know that all you've seen is famine and drought. I get it. I know that that's all you've seen for the last three years. I also know that Jezebel is out to kill you. I get it. I know that that is all that you've seen for the last few years. That's all that you see as you look out over this land. But I want you to believe in something you cannot see. I want you to believe bigger than what's happening. I want you to believe bigger than what's in front of you. I want you to believe big because I'm a big God. Essentially, what God is saying to Elijah is this. Look, if I am the one who invented rain in the first place, surely I can cause it to fall in this place. Are you willing to believe big? What are you believing big for in this moment? Now, I know for us and for our church, because I know many of you, most of you, and, and praying for you and walking with life through you, I know that as you look back over this last year, some of us in this space or watching online would say that this last year has felt like this story, like a drought, a dry year, a difficult year, not one you would have picked or planned. For some of you, it has felt like there has just been a drought for you in your finances, right? I mean, it's been a tough financial year for you this last year, and you're literally saying to God, uh, make it rain. Like, I literally need you to make it rain money <laughs> right now, God. I got all the student debt. I got all these bills piling up, and it's felt like you're in this famine, this drought financially. For some of you, maybe you're in a year of transition, right? You've moved to a new job, or you're here in the city and it's new, and you haven't found your place yet. It hasn't all clicked yet, and you just feel like you're stuck in the middle. For some of you, this last year, 2019, you watched as your marriage dissolved, and you have prayed and prayed and prayed that rain would fall to soften hearts, and it doesn't seem like it's going to, right? Or for some of you, it's a family. You've been battling infertility, and it's one more year, one more season, one more time, God, please, we just need new life. We just need it to fall. God, would you just give us this thing, right? We know these kind of prayers, don't we? 
And we know these kind of places, don't we? These dry and desolate places. I know for us and our family this year, as Jeannie and I pulled away before the start of this year to reflect on 2019 and look ahead prayerfully into 2020, we had to literally step back from our life and go, we have experienced more grief and loss this last year than any other time in our life, ever. And we had to literally step out and go, wait, just add up all that's happened. This life. A lot of other things happened too, but this year has been a significant year of grief and loss for us personally. And if you would have told me at this time last year in 2019 what was in store for me this last year, I would have taken a pass on 2019. I would have said, no, thank you. Give it to someone else who can handle it. I don't know how I'm going to make my way through that kind of year. So you can imagine what this feels like for Elijah. Because I know it's so easy when we're in those dry and desolate and difficult places to believe, it's so easy to believe that all that was is all that will be. And as you walk into 2020, you know, maybe you got some goals, you got some resolutions, you know, you're trying to feel it, but you have this aching feeling that all that was this last year or these last few years is all that's going to be this next year. If you know what that feels like, you know where Elijah was at in this moment. God says there's going to be rain, but it does not look like it. Now, we need to move along in the story because uh, a lot happens quickly and I don't have time to cover it. But basically, Elijah does go to Ahab and they end up having a confrontation on Mount Carmel where uh, all the prophets of Baal set out to prove their God's power and Elijah set out to prove the one true God's power and they have this massive showdown. I don't have time to tell you. It's an incredible story. It's literally bananas. You please, please, please read it this afternoon because it's nuts what happens. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, right? But I'm not going to tell that part because, again, I was pressed on time for writing this message. So what I do want to get to, though, is after that showdown, and this is a little spoiler alert, uh, God shows up, and God shows them who is the one true God, and it's this incredible moment, and Elijah is on a huge high. This is a big turning point moment for him, because he's seen God move in a significant way, in very real stakes in that moment. So this is what happens all the way down to verse 41. Can you jump down to verse 41? 1 Kings 18, 41 says this, after that showdown, Elijah then, after all that, again, he's on a roll with God, all that, Elijah says to King Ahab, hey, you know what? Go and eat and drink for there's a sound of heavy rain coming, right? You can kind of see him after this huge moment going, oh, go have a little party because rain is in the forecast, right? Again, this is a huge moment. Elijah is believing big for God. And so he basically says to King Ahab, go on, get, and don't forget to grab your umbrella on your way out because a storm's a brewing and God's gonna come through, right? Powerful, awesome moment, one small problem. There is no rain in the forecast, <laughs> literally not a drop in the forecast. This must have been the first time historically that we actually have a recording of a weather forecaster because he got this one totally wrong. He says it's calling for rain. There's not a cloud in the sky, but nevertheless, he's believing big what God told him would happen. And so look what happens. This is verse 42. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, as people who are in power are really good at. He goes off and has a party, even though he just lost this little showdown. But what does it say happens next? But Elijah climbed back up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bent down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. Big moment with God. Big, God showed up at this showdown, right? But he goes and takes this posture. Oh, God. 
We don't know what he prayed. We just know that he prayed. And I don't know what he prayed. I can imagine what I would pray. Oh, God, please, 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 please. I am out on the edge. Please, please, please. You've come through before. God, I need you to come through again. God, please, 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 please. Show your power. Show your promises to be true. You said there would be rain. God, let there be rain. And I don't know how long he prayed for, but eventually, like all prayers, he had to get up. So he gets up, and he looks off in the distance, and he tells his executive assistant who's there with him, he says, go tell me the forecast. You know, powerful moment, right? Believe in God. And look what happens. It says this. His assistant went off and looked. And what does it say in verse 43? He had to tell Elijah, uh, uh, there's nothing there. There's nothing there, Elijah. Oh, man. This is such a moment, right? This is such an important and significant moment. Elijah had just declared that God was going to move. He believed big. He prayed big prayers. And then nothing. Anyone ever been there before? Let me rephrase that question. Has anyone ever prayed before? Then you've been there before. You ever prayed where you poured your heart out to God? Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, please God, please God, please God, please. And then nothing. Prayed for a healing. I was just with someone after the last service praying for a healing. God, I need you to come through. We got months that the doctors have told us, I need you to come through, I need you to come through. And it doesn't come. Prayed for a spouse to come into your life and sweep you off your feet. And you, they don't know that they're your spouse yet, but you can't wait to tell them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't wait to tell them the plans I have for their life, right? <laughs> Prayed for the bears to have a winning season, right? And doesn't come. Another season, there's always next year, right? That's what we love to say around here. There's always next year. You ever prayed those kind of prayers before? And I, I can imagine this is exactly where Elijah is at. And if we were to be really, really honest with ourselves, and I know that you, that you are, if we were to be honest with ourselves, I think we have to admit that when we're in those places of prayer and we come up and we open our eyes and we don't see God move in the way that we expected him to move, lots of us, if we were to be really honest, quit after the first prayer. Just being honest. Like, God, I, I gave you five minutes. <laughs> I gave you five months. God, I've given you five years. And you haven't come through. And I don't see it, God. Maybe those of you who are more spiritual than the rest of us give up after two prayers or three prayers when it doesn't look like God's going to come through. But I want you to look at what Elijah does here. Verse 43. How many times? Seven times Elijah said, go back. Go back and look again. Go back and look again. Can you imagine that, kind of believing that big in God? Goes back and puts his face down on his knees, pours his heart out to God one more time, and then he opens his eyes. And you know how it is when you're praying those kind of prayers, like you don't even open both eyes. You just open one to see if God maybe has done something. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, please. Nope. 
Seven times he sends his executive assistant off to see what the forecast is, and he keeps hearing back, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And I think it is so easy, it is so easy when we don't see God come through to stop praying through. It's just far too easy when we don't see God come through like we want him to, to stop praying our way through life, to downsize our dreams and desires, to stop believing big and praying big and start playing small, to give up on God. It's far too easy. But there's a powerful and I believe transformative lesson that we can see here in this moment with Elijah, one that I believe can not only change this year for you, but I believe can change your whole entire life. And this is what we learn from this little moment with Elijah. Are you ready for it? Don't quit at six. Don't quit at the sixth prayer. Don't quit after six weeks. Don't quit after six months. Don't quit after six years. Don't quit on six. Keep on praying. You keep on praying. You keep on praying. And I would add to that that you keep on praying big and bold prayers to God. Keep pouring your heart out. Keep laying it all on the line with God. Because I believe what our friend Pastor Mark Batterson says. He says that God actually, listen, bold prayers honor God. When you pray bold prayers like that, they honor God. And God honors bold prayers. He's moved by your faith. Let me say that again, because you get it. I want them to get it. I just, I want to give them all. It's the new year, so we have to... He says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. That I know your heart is weary, and I know you're worn down, and I know it's so easy to quit, but God honors your bold prayers, even if you can barely even muster the words to say it again. God honors a heart that says, God, I'm laying it all on the line with you. And what I would add to that is if you're like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. That feels weird. It feels uncomfortable. That's not how I was taught to pray. Here's what I would say. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose from praying a bold prayer to God? Like the only thing you really have to lose is your pride, and you want to lose that anyway. (laughs) To just humble yourself, to look like a fool, and keep saying, no, I'm believing big in God. I'm believing big in God. I'm believing big this year. Even if I don't see it, even if it's another year, even if rain doesn't come, I'm still going to believe big on God. Because look what happens after six. Verse 44, the seventh time the executive assistant reported, he's kind of looking. Okay, Elijah, hold on. There's a, you know, they didn't invent binoculars yet, so he's just looking. There's a, there's a cloud as small as, what does it say? As small as a man's hand rising up off the sea. I can't be, I can't be sure, Elijah, but it looks like there's one cloud <laughs> rising up off of the sea. Small as a man's hand, hardly even noticeable. But that's all Elijah needed. That's all he needed. That one small little cloud they could hardly see. Now, this is significant because we, we, you don't live here where this story took place, but you need to understand that where he was standing on the top of Mount Carmel to the, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, which is where he was looking off to, was actually 12 miles away. 
12 miles away. This guy's looking out and going, oh, God, please, this time, please, this time, please, this time. And he looks 12 miles. Do you know what that's equivalent to? That's equivalent to you going up on the roof here at Soul City Church and looking out to O'Hare for one cloud. How would you even, now thank God he's let, you know, made our land as flat as can be, so you have a clear shot, but how would you even know, like, I don't, is it a cloud I can't, or maybe there's a sail at the mattress center, it's one of those blimps, I don't know, it's 12 miles away, but that's all that it actually took for Elijah. Even though it seemed so small and so far off, he believed big. He believed that God would. Not only that God would, he believed that God was. He's already moving. He's already on the move. And so look what he does. Verse 44, I love this. So Elijah said to his executive assistant, now listen, we've seen enough here. You go tell Ahab to hitch up your chariot and get off this mountain before the rain stops you. That is some bold faith right there. You go right now and tell him to go ahead, pack up all his things, party's over, head on down the mountain before the rain stops you from getting there. And look what happens in verse 45. Meanwhile, from that small little cloud, 12 miles away, look what happens. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, and a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab got in his chariot and rode off to Jezreel powerful, powerful moment where Elijah actually sees God come through in a big way after three years of famine and drought. And the story ends here, the next verse, and I, I, I wasn't going to share it because again, pressed on time, but it's so good the way this story ends. And I just have to share it with you. Verse 46 says this, that the power of the Lord, after this moment, the power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking in his cloak, try and imagine it, into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, you may be thinking, all right, interesting detail, but you need to understand the context. Jezreel was 22 miles away. So after all that Elijah had been through that day, my guy runs a marathon down the mountain and beats horses and chariots. He straight forest gumped his way all the way to Jezreel, continuing to show the power of God in that moment. That is believing big in God. So I just want to ask you, what are you believing big for this year? What are you believing big for this season? What are you believing big for in 2020? What are, what are, what are the big and audacious, and if you were to say them out loud, embarrassing prayers that you're praying? What, what, are, the, what are the prayers that make you uncomfortable? What are you believing big for your life this year? Do you have anything? My hunch is you do, but you've been too afraid to say it. You've been so worried that God wouldn't come through. That if you were to own it, if you were to say it, if you were to pray it, maybe it's one more season where you don't see him move the way that you're looking for. What are you believing big for this year? Parents, what are you believing big for for your kids? They, that they get good grades? That's awesome. Is there anything bigger? What are you believing big for for your kids, no matter how old they are? Young people, where are you at? Young people in this room, what are you believing big for in your life? 
What are, you, what are you believing big for so much so that it embarrasses us older people? Don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth, but set an example for us by your faith. Show us how it's done. Old people, that's my people. Old people. You can opt in however you want to which category. Old people, have you become so cynical and so jaded that you forgot what it means to believe big in God? Have you become so comfortable and you figured it all out that you don't need God anymore? Our prayer is that God would give you new visions and new dreams that make you shake in your boots, that make you look back on your life and say, what have I been doing so far? God, there's so much more that you're inviting me into. What are you believing big for our church this year? Are you believing anything big for this church? You know, this church wouldn't be here if there weren't some people who believed big in it 10 years ago and have continued to pray big prayers. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for that. What are you believing big for for our city? God, I love this city. And man, oh man, does it need a movement of God. We're overdue. I'm hurting. We're so divided. God, would you move in a big way in this city? I'm believing it. This nation, so tense, so against. God, would you move in this nation? It's an election year. We all need to be praying big, year, like big, big, big prayers. For our world, do you believe that God moves? In places you'll never visit, you'll never see. I've been praying all weekend for what's happening in Australia, what's happening in Iran and Iraq. We're going to spend time on Tuesday night praying for the world, trusting that God is bigger than what we can see or what we see on the television. God is way bigger. And so I want to believe big that God can move. What do you believe in big for this year? Because here's what I would say. Show me the size of your prayers, and I'll show you the size of your God. Show me the size of your prayers. And I'll show you just how big your God is, right? Just look and think about the things you pray for. Nothing wrong, zero judgment. I'm just telling you, that is how big your God is. Show me the size of your prayers. I'll show you the size of your God. Now, does that, am I saying that the small things don't matter to God, that God doesn't care about the small things that you pray for? Absolutely not. Of course he cares. He loves every aspect and facet of your being, every part of who you are and your day. So go on, pray for that parking spot. Go ahead, ask the God of the universe to provide that space for you. Go on, pray that you're not late for work. There's nothing wrong with that. Pray the God of miracles to move the traffic so that you can get to work on time, even though you slept in go ahead, pray those prayers. Pray for the meals and the hands that prepared it. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that those prayers don't matter and don't count. They're all a part of how we pray our way through with God. All I'm saying is that's not all that there is. There's so much more. All I'm saying is that God is actually able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine because of his power at work within you. All I'm saying is that you can actually approach now. You can, what Elijah couldn't even do, you can approach the throne of grace with confidence, asking God to give you exactly what you need to receive mercy and to find grace and help in your time of need. All I'm saying is that if the God of the universe who created it all, who knows every aspect and every part of your being and every single being on this planet, if that God is for you, who can be against you? Why wouldn't you believe big? Why wouldn't you ask God to move in ways that he's never moved before in your life? What do you have to lose? Literally, what do you have to lose? So what do you believe in big for this year? What are you holding out for this year? What are you holding on to this year?
You know, every, every end of the year, Gene and I, for as long as I can remember, we pull away and, and, we, and we try and we ask God to give us a word for this next year. You know, God, is there a word? Is there a theme? Is there a thing for us to pay attention to? And we have goals and, you know, vision and all that kind of stuff. We just ask for a word. God, how can, I, how can we look for you? What are you calling us into? What are you inviting us into this year? And we've been doing this so long. One of the things that we, we do is we make these little bracelets. Well, we pay someone on the internet to make these bracelets for us um, that have our word on it. And we wear them all year. I've got seven or eight of these things and we've done it as a staff and we're going to do it again as a staff tomorrow and I'm so excited about it and um, in fact this is so meaningful to me that um, um, like two months ago I um, had one that says praying through made um, that I wanted to remind me like that's what God has invited me into it's not a book it's just this is the life that God has invited me into uh, praying through and I actually had um, uh, some made just for us just for Soul City and so you better believe they're for sale in the store afterwards. And um, you can actually get those. No one else, those aren't on Amazon. So that's just for us, okay? Um, so I had that. But then the word that God gave me was, was three words this year. And the words that God gave me were on the edge. On the edge. And I don't, I'm, it's easy for me to say five days into this new year, I have no idea what that's going to mean. It's a little scary actually for me. But what I found is when I, when I have the two bracelets on, what I notice is that it is an invitation to me, and it, and it says, praying through on the edge. Praying through on the edge. That that's actually what God is inviting me into. That's the way that I want to live my life. I want to pray through on the edge with God, out on the edge with God. I've been at this thing with God for so long now that I I know how to do lots of things. I know how to sort of make this life work, and I just don't want that this next year. I I think God's actually inviting me out on the edge where it's uncomfortable, where it's unknown, where I don't have a backup plan. Like, that's where I want to get with God. Why would anyone want that? But God, I don't have any other option. You're my option. This is it. And I'm praying big prayers this year as best I can and trying to live my life out on the edge. And wouldn't you know it, he would invite me into that last night when I had to rewrite this entire message. It's like, I appreciate your notes. That's really good. Thank you for that. I'll just put those over here. Will you trust me for a word for this church? Will you trust me for a word for your life? I'm praying through for our church out on the edge that God would provide every resource we need to expand the ministry of this church, every dollar we need to reach every person God leads us to, that we would see him provide in ways like never before for our church to not only expand what God's doing here, but to expand what he's doing to the west and to the north. I'm actually believing that God would give us the resources personally for Gene and I as we spent our time planning through this next year and praying through this next year, we made a commitment to give more to God than we've ever given before in our life. And I want to let you know, kind of the older you get, you know, in life, it's a little bit easier to get locked into your ways and get real comfortable. And both of us said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to give more. And when Jean and I landed on the number that we want to give to God this year, I had to get up and walk around for a little bit. I was like, whoa, that's too much. That's too much. That's too much. But I think God's inviting me and I think he's inviting you to pray our way through out on the edge with him. One of the places I'm praying through out on the edge for me, and it seems, um, if I'm honest, selfish or even foolish, I just want one more year with my dad. 
I just want one more year. And I've prayed, God, to heal him, God, would restore his life. I'm believing that too. But God, if I could have one more year with my dad. What are you out on the edge praying through for? You know, one of the prayers for me this year was for this book. And I wrote it down earlier this summer. I pray that, that it would get into the hands of everyone who needs it. And I put a number to it. That 15,000 people who need this book would find this book somehow, some way or another. And if that makes you uncomfortable to hear me say that out loud from stage, yeah, me too. It really makes me uncomfortable too. Because it feels like, why, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Because why wouldn't I want people to connect with God more? Why wouldn't I want people, why wouldn't I want you, why wouldn't I want my friends to live their life out on the edge with God? What are you praying big for this year? What do you believe in big for this year? So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a chance to capture that. We have these little tags that we got um, to help you. And I'm going to ask our host team to come. They're going to pass these little things out, little tags. There should be a pen in your Bible. And I just want you to take the next minute or so if you want to, to write down a big prayer. What would it look like? You had, while I'm talking, you can start writing. What's a big prayer for you? Okay, they'll pass them down your aisle so you get them. I'll get them up in the balcony for you as well. What's a big prayer that you're praying through? I mean, one that really like, you're like, oh man, this makes me uncomfortable to write it down, to put it down. A big way that you want to see God move, a big promise you want to see God keep. For provision in your life. Maybe it's God, I, I need you to provide for me like never before. For the restoration and the healing of a broken relationship. God, all signs point to this thing just continuing to go south. But I'm going to pray for a breakthrough. I'm going to pray big. I'm going to believe big for the healing, the restoration of this relationship. Maybe it is for a healing, a physical healing. Why not? Why not ask the God who created it all to heal, to restore, to renew? Maybe for you it's your faith is all but lost and the biggest prayer you can pray is God, renew my faith. That's bigger than anything else you could pray. God, restore to me the joy of what it means to be in a relationship with you. Would you just write it down? And I want to encourage you, be specific. And if it doesn't make you a little uncomfortable, I'd say go to the second draft and try it again. If it's not a little uncomfortable, whatever it is, and it's between you and God, well, we want to encourage you to write it down because after the gathering, in a little bit, we're actually created a space out in our lobby, a wall where you can walk. It's, for those of you in the balcony, it's here on the second floor where you can go and just hang it. We just want this to be a living reminder that we want to be the kind of people that believe big in God. As we walk into this year, we want to be believing big for God to move like never before. And so when we're done here in a moment, you can go right out there and have a moment with just by yourself or with your family or friends and hang that on there as a little living reminder that this is what God has invited us into, out on the edge, believing big in him. So take the next couple seconds to write down whatever that may be. It may be a word, it may be a phrase, it may be very, very, very specific for you. Whatever it is, it's from God for you. Here's what I want to do. I actually, I'm gonna. You can keep writing if you, if you need to. Um, 
I'm going to actually ask you to, to stand if you could, if you would. You can write while you stand or just stay seated. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. And um, yeah, we want to declare that we're not putting our faith in us. We're not putting our faith in our plans and our schemes. We are believing big for God's move, declaring who he is and how good he is. So can I pray for you? Can we pray together? Let's just pray with open hands and open hearts to God. God, thank you for, for who you are. That's what we believe big in, not just what you do, but who you are. And God, I pray for every person who you're, who, whose heart is tender right now, God. They're maybe even feeling afraid or, or scared to put this down, to write this down. God, I pray that you'd meet them and give them the courage to begin to pray this prayer, maybe again, maybe for the first time. God, I pray for every person who's hurt and wounded so afraid to trust you again. God, would you help them just have the trust that you are always only working for our absolute best. You always only have our best in mind and that that's what you want to do this year. God, I pray for people who are feeling lonely or betrayed or that you would give them hope again, that you let them see that you, got, you have so much more in store than what they can possibly imagine, that there is a cloud off in the distance. And it's not like you're going to move in 2020. You are already moving. Help us to see that, our way maker, our promise keeper. God, give us this light in our life right now that we can look to and point to and say it's only you, only God. It's in your name and for all your glory that we pray. Amen.